And the thing that God uses by his Holy Spirit to help us make room in our hearts is the word of God. And so if you take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we're going we're gonna to find Christmas in the, in the epistles. We're going to find Christmas in the, the teaching of the church. We're going to find Christmas not just in the Christmas stories, but the things that we learn from what God did at Christmas are the basis and the foundation for all the things that we do and all the things that we believe. I tell you, I'm, I'm still uh, re- recovering from Ron's t- uh, telling a little bit of the story. I wasn't expecting that this morning. I knew we were going to s- see the picture of Sam and the video from Lucy. But uh, thinking back to that Christmas Eve in 1997, uh, when Midway Community Church, before we were officially a church, um, when we were still a mission, um, we, uh, we met, we were meeting at the Midway Elementary School, and we were having our first Christmas Eve service, and uh, there were probably 25 of us or so, something like that, that got together, and the group brought a letter um, that they had written and signed for Sherry and, and William and Rebecca and myself. Um, as Sherry and I were getting ready to leave the next day, or excuse me, the day after Christmas, to go to China to meet Samuel for the first time and to adopt him and to bring him home. And they wrote us this great letter and signed it, just sharing um, how excited they were not only for us and for Samuel, but also for us as a church. And just who knew? <laughs> Praise God for all that he has done and, and the way that he's used all of us together. Um, at different times, and you know, starting with that, that smaller group, um, committing themselves. And I'll still, I still remember when we came home, and, and uh, we set January 10th, which was the day we got home, as his birthday. And, uh, and I remember the birthday party that we had in that cafeteria, you know, again, at that school. And, uh, and, and just Sam's excitement, you know, right then, just seeing all this stuff that was, that was coming his way. Uh, because when we, when we adopted him, he owned two things besides the clothes that he was wearing, you know, a, a stuffed wolf and a stuffed soccer ball. Um, that was it. And then he got this birthday party from our church, and he couldn't believe all this stuff. You know, for me, for me, for me, yeah, it's yours. And, and just the, the excitement and, and all the things that followed from that point. And uh, I just praise God. Thanks for bringing that up, Ron, and, and it messed me up, but I, I, uh, I sure, sure appreciate it. And, and we're going to see Christmas. We're going to see Christmas in giving. Look what the Apostle Paul is. He's teaching the church in Corinth about giving. Look what he says. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace. Remember, whenever you see grace, think gift. Think God giving us something that we don't deserve out of his great resources. He gives it to us. He said, about this grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And let me pause here for a moment. The Apostle Paul and his companions were collecting 
donations for the church back in Jerusalem in Judea. There was a tremendous long famine going on back there. And all of the churches, even though they didn't have any direct relationship in most cases with Jerusalem, although some of them had had Jewish members, the churches were giving, were giving an offering for the, the people that were so needy back in Judea. And that's what he's referring to here when he says this, this gift, um, this service to the saints. And they did this, speaking of the Macedonian churches, they did not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urge Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your, heart, of your love by comparing it with the, the earnestness of others. Verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first, not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in so that in him their plenty will supply what you need then there will be equality as it is written he that gathered much did not have too much and he that gathered little did not have too little so here the apostle paul is is making a collection among the churches to help the church in Judea. In the middle of his appeals, he's explaining that this is the way that Christians work. This is the way that people who have been saved by God's grace, this is the way that we operate. This is the way that our hearts are stirred when we hear of somebody's need and we find out that, that, that somebody has, has a need of something that we might be able to help with. And what he does, he goes right back to Christmas. In verse 9, when he says, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? The grace, the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what that is? Here it is. He describes it. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes... He became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Is there a better description? 
of what took place on Christmas? This is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was rich. We, we can't even really comprehend what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he says that. When we, when we think about where Jesus came from. When we think about his eternal existence as the second person of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we think of him existing and living in the, within the glory of God from all eternity past, we, we have a hard time comprehending that. Whenever the glory of God is, 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 is discussed in the scripture, it always, whenever people are involved with it, they always cover their eyes or fall on their faces. They can't, they can't bear it. Even Moses, when he begged the Lord you know, to, let him, to, to let him just catch a glimpse of him on Mount Sinai, you remember what, what God did? He told him to hide his face in a cleft in the rock. And as, as the Lord passed by, and as he gave him the, as he wrote the, the Ten Commandments for him, as the Lord passed by, Moses just got a very slight glimpse of the Lord as he passed by. And that glory was so intense that when Moses went back down the mountain, the children of Israel couldn't look at him because he was still reflecting the glory of God. It was that intense. They couldn't look at his face without being blinded because he, even though his face was hidden in that rock, he was still completely illuminated, radiating the reflection of the glory of God. That's where Jesus came from. That's who Jesus is. And he went from that to that. This place right here. Now, it didn't have any of this, although this is beautiful. This wasn't there. All right, the star was there, but it was way up there, and it didn't have a drape on it. But he came here. And it wasn't in a really nice place like this. It was in a stable where there are real animals and the stuff that goes along with real animals, the smells and the stuff. Could there be a greater contrast? Leaving the glory of God. He was so rich coming to that. He was so poor. But he did this as an expression of his grace, his gift. He was giving up all that he had so that we who believe in him can have all that he had. He left his riches so that we could become rich, not with stuff with what he had. What he had was the experience of the glory of God from all eternity past. Well, those of us who believe are going to have the experience of the glory of God from all eternity future. By his grace. As we think about that, and remember, this is given, this, this statement, this wonderful statement is made in the context of giving. Jesus is the giver. He's the gift, and he's also the giver. 
Look at, look at chapter 9, verse 1. And, and, and I'll encourage you to read the rest of chapter 8 as well. And, and also, when I, in saying that, let me, let me remind you, parents, grandparents, make sure that you spend this Christmas season not just doing all the other stuff, but make sure that you're reading the Christmas stories from the Gospels to your kids and grandkids. Make, make sure that that is a part of what this season is about for you so they can see and hear what this is really all about. And as you, in your, in your own quiet times, in your own times with the Lord in, in his word, as you're reading, take the time to read, the, read these two chapters together. I'm not reading them all this morning. But look at verse nine, chapter 9, verse 1. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the saints, the same offering that he was talking about in chapter 8. For I know your eagerness to help. And I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident." So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. That's a key concept in the whole idea of giving, not grudgingly given, because the gift of God was not grudgingly given. He continues, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, You will abound in every good work, as it is written. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, Your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in offering with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Now listen for it. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. He is the gift and he is the standard for all that we give so that when we give, 
whether it's at Christmas or any other time, when we give, we give in the tradition of Jesus Christ, the giver and the gift. And so, Christmas isn't just a time in December. Christmas is something that we should be thinking about all the time. Because the, the, the action of Christmas, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, the leaving of heaven, the entering of Bethlehem, the picture of his grace is something that motivates us and stirs us and changes us so that we would live gracious lives, lives full of grace, recognizing that everything that we have comes from God, doesn't belong to us, it's on loan to us so that we can use it for his glory, so that others, and this is where all of us come in together, so that others can give God praise. Did you hear the praise to God from Lucy this morning in Rwanda? Did you hear her? No, you didn't hear her. Did you see her giving thanks for the gift that you gave to enable dot deaf owned translation from Wycliffe Associates to enable them to help them learn how to translate the Bible into, into their sign language? Did you hear her or see her giving praise to God? You see, that's what this is about. It's not just meeting the needs so that they can get their Bible. But once they get their Bible, they praise God. They learn what life is all about. They learn how they can be forgiven of their sins, how they can spend eternity with God in his glory. And to live their lives now praising his name. That all goes back to Christmas. That all goes back to that manger. That all goes back to God leaving his riches and entering the manger. Our lives in Christ go back to Christmas. So don't let it just be a season, a festive season. A season of, of, of parties and, and of shopping and of, and of receiving and of, and of getting together, although that's all in question right now anyway. But don't, don't let it be just that. Let it be the foundation of your life. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Let Christmas reign and rule in your hearts all the time. Don't just wait until December when the decorations go back up and we start remembering the symbols again. No, as you read the word of God, Discover that Christmas is everywhere in here. It dictates who we are in Christ and what our lives now are all about. 
If you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ, then you haven't experienced the grace that the Apostle Paul is talking about here. As he was talking to these Corinthians about giving and talking about the Macedonians, those up in Philippi and other places up there in Thessalonica, Thessalonica, how they were giving, he was doing so knowing those people and and realizing that these people that he's writing to had already received the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So everything that he was writing and everything he was talking to them about was assuming that they had already put their trust in Jesus Christ. But I'm not making that assumption this morning because I don't know everybody who's here. I don't know everybody who's, who's in, involved with us on the internet right now. But I do know this, that every single one of us is loved by God. And his grace, his willingness to give his best, which is exactly what he did at Christmas, goes out to every single one of us. That every single one of us can be forgiven of our sins by putting our trust, our faith, in Jesus Christ. By believing that he is the Son of God, that he came into this world in the way that's depicted in Scripture, that he left his riches, that he entered into this world, into Bethlehem's stable, and he did it so that when he died on the cross as the perfect Lamb of God, he could take upon himself all the sins of the world. He could receive in his body all of the punishment that all of us who sinned against God deserved. And then upon his resurrection, his his rising again on the third day, he could offer to everyone who believes in him the gift of forgiveness of sins and eternal life in his glory. He did that for you. And if you put your trust in him, then you begin to understand the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. His giving you the best Forgiveness of sins and eternal life, that's the best. A lot of other people think the best is lots of stuff, but he knows what the best is. He came from heaven. He knows that heaven is the best. And that's the promise that he makes to us. And so if you haven't received him yet, here on this December 6th, 2020, 2020 would be a great year to receive Jesus. Because we're going to remember this year in lots of ways. Be a great way for you to, it would be a great thing for you to add to the memories that you put your trust in Jesus Christ this year. Receive him. The Apostle John, one of Jesus' best friends, talking about the, uh, the people of his day that, that did receive him, although most didn't. He said, Yet to those who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, We want to thank you this morning again for Christmas. Not for all the stuff of Christmas, but for the message of Christmas, for the gift of Christmas, the indescribable gift that you gave in your son Jesus. We thank you for the grace of Christmas. And Father, we pray for those who haven't yet received that grace, that gift. 
Give them the wisdom. Give them the, the courage. Give them the faith. Say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. I'm going to trust in you to do everything that you said you were going to do, forgiving me of my sins, changing my life, and giving me heaven when I die. Father, give them the faith to say that to you this morning, wherever they are. And Father, may those of us who have already received your grace, may we live by that grace. May our lives, may our actions, may our attitudes be known by your grace. That just as Jesus gave, that we would also give our lives and everything that we are and everything that we have to bring you the honor and glory that only you deserve. We thank you for the generosity of the churches in Corinth and Thessalonica and Philippi back in the first century that give us instruction on how we should operate. And we thank you, Father, for making us giving people and a giving church. And we thank you that, that our generosity is resulting in praise to you even as far away as Rwanda. May you be glorified in everything that we do as a church by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.